Well, welcome once again to the house of the Lord. It's great to be with all of you in the presence of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke 2, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, a feed trough because there was no room for them in the inn. The miraculous birth of the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. The miraculous birth that followed the miraculous conception where Mary received the call to carry the Christ child, the Savior, Jesus, Messiah. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and she'll call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who has been called, who was called, barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Emmanuel, 
God with us. What a miracle. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in flesh among us. Born into this world. Born into this world to save sinners. This was the mission. This was the reason God the Father sent Jesus. This was the reason God the Father wrapped His Son in flesh. And without the cradle, there would be no cross. And so we thank the Lord for sending His Son. We praise the Father for sending His Son. He came in such a lowly manner, the servant Christ. If we were sending a king into the world, let alone the king of kings, I'm sure we would choose a more fitting accommodation. And yet, this is our God, the servant Savior. Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Good morning, many. The NLV, the Son of Man, came not to be cared for. He came to care for others. He came to give his life so that many could be bought by his blood and made free from the punishment of sin. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy today of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. The Passion Translation reads, I can testify that the word is true and deserves to be received by all. For Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life. Even me, the worst sinner of all. Simply incredible. And there are no words that would suffice to tell of how beautiful this is. That God the Father would send His Son into the world for you, for me. Jesus Christ, the one who was laid in a cradle, a makeshift cradle, a feed trough, began to grow. There was a calling for His life, a calling upon His life, a destiny. And the road would require surrender and selflessness and obedience and devotion and perseverance. The way to the cross would mean surrender to the will of the Father all the way. And yes, Isaiah 53, 1, reading from the message, who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The message today is that this is what God's saving power looks like. Cradle to cross. The text continues, the servant grew up before God. 
a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, his stripes, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. He was beaten. He was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked. They threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest, he took on his shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. A 33-year plan. A 33-year journey, and yes, it led to a cross. You see, for Jesus, the cradle only really mattered if it led to the cross. And the truth is this, the cradle only truly matters if it leads to the cross. Every one of us that have been given the chance in life, born into this world, the gift of life, and once, once we were laid in a cradle, wrapped in swaddling cloths, 
And since that day, we started to grow. And the journey of life began. And it's now been weeks of living, and months of living, and years of living, perhaps decades of living. The cradle only really matters if it leads to the cross. It was so for Jesus, and it's the same for us. There is rescue in no other name. There is salvation in no other name. There is pardon in no other name. It's only the name of Jesus and only because of his radical sacrifice on the cross. Once born into this world, once laid in a cradle. And if we don't die at the cross in this life, if we don't die on the cross in this life, there's no resurrection life and no eternal life except hell. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I know the reality that not all cradles rest in Christian homes. And so the Lord prepares an opportunity, a place in the road called life, where we encounter the message of Jesus Christ, where we collide with the cross and where we hear the good news of the gospel, be it in our own searching, and there we cry out, if there be a God, be it as we gaze upon the wonder of creation, and there the Lord beckons us, be it in a church service as we hear the preaching of the Word of God. Be it as we consider the miracle of our frame, our person. And so many other fitting examples. Romans 1, verses 16 to 23, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For first, the Jew, and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His external power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, 
Because although they, they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And we continue and we read verses 24 to 32. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things. My, how it's true. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, I fully believe that the Lord is in the business of leading people from the cradle to the cross. I fully believe that he prepares a way. As I said, I know that not all cradles rest in Christian homes. Generation after generation, cradles resting in non-Christian homes. But I believe with all my heart that the Lord prepares a way. He makes a way and he orchestrates a way. The Lord is faithful to call all. And it's in that moment for no opportunity, invitation should be forsaken. Now is the time for salvation. It's in that moment where our cradle discovers the real meaning of life, the real purpose, and the reality that we are in need of a Savior. However far from the cradle we are, there's a decision to be made. Will we accept the cross of Jesus Christ? Will we surrender? Will we surrender all at the cross of Jesus Christ? Will we lay down our lives at the cross, choosing the crucifixion of our dead-end life? Yes, Galatians 2.20, 
In the Amplified reads, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body I live by faith in and adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. J.B. Phillips' New Testament, I may consider that I died on the cross with Christ, and my present life is not that of the old I, but the living Christ within me. The bodily life I now live, I live believing in the Son of God who loved me and sacrificed himself for me. What else? Must we determine to do? We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, Then Jesus said to his disciples, any disciples in the house today? Then Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, these are his words, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? And I ask the question, What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Luke 9, 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, from that moment in time, the moment we surrender to Jesus, our lives take on new meaning, a new purpose, a new way of living, a new way of life that really matters, a life that counts for eternity, a life that will carry us to eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two times, Jesus was wrapped in cloths. Once at his birth, and once at his death. It's the same with us. And one day when we reach the end of our life on this side of eternity, for all those who have surrendered to Jesus, who have taken them themselves and laid themselves down at the foot of the cross, and who have risen up and taken up their cross and followed him. When we reach the end of our life on this side of eternity, when we reach the hill of our death, we will cling to the cross of Christ, and we will die and be buried in a tomb. And let us rejoice, for we shall rise from the graves to live with him forever. This is the great hope we have. How far are we from the cradle?
There were those in the service earlier, and perhaps they're still in here, that are just weeks from being born. For some, just weeks from the cradle. Mom or dad has pulled the cradle out of the room, you know. Got a new bed. I've done that a few times in my house. For some, were months from the cradle, some years. We had those who were grade one in here this morning, grade two, three, four, five, six. They went off to children's church. There are teenagers in the room right now, years from the cradle, young adults, decades from the cradle, adults, and yes, the aged. How far are we from the cradle? We're going to read some more text this morning. One day a man came to Jesus to ask him a question. A man a ways down the road from the cradle. John 3, beginning at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And do you not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven. But he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. No, we, we can't enter again into our mother's womb. We can't go back. We can't erase the years. But the good news is, we can be born again. You see, it's at the cross where blood and water flow, the Son of Man lifted high, His body broken, broken for the world. What manner of love? The cross has never lost its power. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. It's Christmas time. Where has the fall gone? Christmas time is here. You know, this is what this season is truly all about. Remembering the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. The world may not see it like we see it. They celebrate other things, focused on other things. But for those that know the Lord, the focus is Jesus. The other things are secondary. The greatest gift of all is Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. This servant Savior that came. Remembering the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, the cradle of Christ. And receiving him as the text tells it was. Miraculous conception, born of a virgin, the Savior entrusted to human hands. And let it be that thanksgiving overflows from hearts, the hearts of all who know him. For this season is about remembering the cradle of Christ. But this season too is about remembering the cross of Christ. Because the cradle only mattered because it led to the cross. How far are we from the cradle? A child in the house of the Lord today? A teenager in the house of the Lord today? A young adult in the house of the Lord? An aged adult? in the house of the Lord. Listen, it's by no mistake that we are here in this moment. And here we are at the cross of Christ. It's by no mistake that we are here. I want to share these words. We can have the worship team return. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
The title is An Un-Christmas-Like Idea. When the old Christendom spoke of the coming again of the Lord Jesus, it always thought, first of all, of a great day of judgment. And as un-Christmas-like as this idea may appear to us, it comes from early Christianity and must be taken with utter seriousness. The coming of God is truly not only a joyous message, but is first frightful news for anyone who has a conscience. And only when we have felt the frightfulness of the matter can we know the incomparable favor. God comes into the midst of evil, in the midst of death, and judges the evil in us and in the world. And in judging it, He loves us. He purifies us. He sanctifies us. He comes to us with His grace and love. He makes us happy, as only children can be happy. In the midst of the deepest guilt and distress of the people, a voice speaks that is soft and mysterious but full of the blessed certainty of salvation through the birth of the divine child, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. It is still 700 years until the time of fulfillment, but the prophet is so deeply immersed in God's thoughts and counsel that he speaks of the future as if he saw it already. And he speaks of the salvific hour as if he already stood in adoration before the manger of Jesus, for a child has been born for us. What will happen one day is already real and certain in God's eyes. And it will not only, it will be not only for the salvation of future generations, but already for the prophet who sees it coming and for his generation. Indeed, for all generations on earth, for a child has been born for us, no human spirit can talk like this on its own. How are we, who do not know what will happen next year, supposed to understand that someone can look forward many centuries? And the times then were no more transparent than they are today. Only the Spirit of God, who encompasses the beginning and end of the world, can in such a way reveal to a chosen person the mystery of the future so that he must prophesy for strengthening believers and warning unbelievers. This individual voice ultimately enters into the nocturnal adoration of the shepherds, Luke 2, 15-20, and into the full jubilation of the Christ-believing community. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. For the great and powerful of this world, there are only two places in which their courage fails them, of which they are afraid deep down in their souls, from which they shy away. These are the manger and the cross of Jesus Christ. No powerful person dares to approach the manger, and this even includes King Herod, for this is where thrones shake, the mighty fall the prominent perish because God is with the lowly. Here the rich come to nothing because God is with the poor and hungry, but the rich are satisfied 
The rich and satisfied he sends away empty. Before Mary the maid, before the manger of Christ, before God in lowliness, the powerful come to naught. They have no right, no hope. They are judged. No priest, no theologian stood at the manger of Bethlehem. And yet all Christian theology has its origin in the wonder of all wonders, that God became human. Holy theology arises from knees bent before the mystery of the divine child in the stable. Without the holy night, there is no theology. God is revealed in flesh. The God-human Jesus Christ, that is the holy mystery that theology came into being to protect and preserve. How we fail to understand when we think that the task of theology is to solve the mystery of God, to drag it down to the flat, ordinary wisdom of human experience and reason. Its sole office is to preserve the miracle as miracle, to comprehend, defend, and glorify God's mystery precisely as mystery. This and nothing else, therefore, is what the early church meant when, with never-flagging zeal, it dealt with the mystery of the Trinity and the person of Jesus Christ. If Christmas time, and here we are, if Christmas time cannot ignite within us again something like a love for holy theology so that we, captured and compelled by the wonder of the manger of the Son of God, must fervently, reverently reflect, reflect on the mysteries of God, then it must be it must be that the glow of the divine mysteries has also been extinguished in our heart and has died out. Cradle to cross. I think of that cradle laid in a manger, and in my Bible, King James Version, in my Bible it says feed trough. And is it not true that he is the bread of life? Is it not true that he is the quencher of thirst? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Perhaps you were here last week, you heard the call, you're hearing the call again. It's an honor to give opportunity in the house of the Lord. If the Holy Spirit's been tugging on your heart, if the Lord's been tugging on your heart, we'll just have the congregation stand right now. And if that's you and you'd like to give your life to Jesus this morning, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat, make a bold step and come forward. We'd love to give you a Bible if you just like a Bible. I stalked, I stalked them over there, and you can just take one, and you can begin to read it. Begin to read. Begin to read about the Christmas story. Open up the book of Luke. Begin to understand what this season's all about. You know, I have a word for the parents today in the house of the Lord, and I want, I want us all to hear this, and I, I'm preaching to myself because I'm a parent. And I need to take up my cross daily, just like everybody else. We all need to. Parents in the house, I believe the word of the Lord would be this. Bring true meaning to your child's cradle and lead them to the cross and show them the way of the cross. And I feel in the house today, just as 
the announcement came to Mary, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Over this house today, I would hear the Lord say, rejoice, highly favored ones, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among men and women. And one more thing this morning because we read it and it stuck out to me in the text. We read it at the start. We read of that woman, Elizabeth. In the book of Luke, chapter 1. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Speaking to Mary. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. I don't know what that means to people here this morning. You've been called barren. That could be naturally speaking. It could be spiritually speaking. I don't know. We'll just let the Holy Spirit use it. But I believe that this is the text. And this is the word of the Lord to you this morning. The word of the Lord is, You were called barren. With God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Just receive the word of the Lord today. We're going to begin to lift up this song. In closing here, just sing this out. Let's just focus on the Savior in these moments. Just lift up Jesus. Pour out our hearts. Lift our voices and sing to Him. If that's you and you'd like to come to the altar this morning, just take that step of faith. If you have any needs and you'd like prayer this morning, we'd love to pray with you as well. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that Jesus came. We're so thankful. Thank you, Jesus.